Welcome to the Asians Redefining Their Success podcast, where Asian professionals share their stories of breaking boundaries and switching into more creative and unconventional careers. I am your host, Yangshi Zhou. Hey, arts listeners! Wow, I am so excited to be back and to greet you like this. How have you been? I was just looking at the podcast app and can't believe it's already been a year since the last episode. More than a year. Time really flies.、Um, to give you a quick update on my life, since last May, I've gotten more into pleasure and embodiment. Spent a month in Hawaii for my birthday,、uh, which was so amazing and just really soaked up that magical energy. January this year, I created my first 25k month. That was also super exciting, and I transitioned to more of a somatic coaching and really honoring the body in my practice. And overall, I really loved and grieved a lot. So that's me. <laughs> I love to hear how you've been.、Um, go ahead and send me a message on. Instagram. I am at Yingshi dot Joe Coaching.、Um, IG is really the only place that I am active on these days. So if you've been enjoying this podcast and you wish there was more of it,、um, come hang out with me there. You'll also love what I have for you there. Also, recording this intro at a very special time in my life. I am about to go to Costa Rica for a month. In two days, and this is the first time that I've taken a whole month off of my business. So yeah, really big moves, and it feels exciting and liberating at the same time. And before I go, I want to share and get this episode out to you. So, for this episode, we have Kimberly Han as a guest. She is a Korean American writer director with a passion for socially conscious stories that push boundaries. And I also have to add in here, with some very cool film awards already under her belt, such as at South by Southwest. And ever since Kimberly moved to LA to pursue directing seven years ago, she's been wanting to tell the story about her Goose family. So in Korean, Goose father refers to fathers who stay in Korea to make money, while his wife and children immigrant. Immigrate to English-speaking countries for the sake of better education, and Kimberly's film Champion is really inspired by her personal story, and is about how a nine-year-old Korean girl seeks to rebuild a sense of community and mend her broken heart after moving to California without her goose father. So, Champion is really a Fish out of the water and coming of age tale about what it means to belong, which is something that I think all of us can understand and relate to. Belonging to your culture, your family, your community, and to yourself. It's a story about family. It's a story about exploring the unwavering love and bond between a parent and child. In spite of any distance, even if it is six thousand miles away. So you know this episode is going to be good. 
In our conversation, Kimberly and I talk about her journey from loving movies as a child to actually creating films and tips she has for you aspiring filmmakers out there, as well as getting funded for your creations, just like she had for Champion. We also go deeper in exploring the creative journey as Asians, as well as the theme behind Champion, including our own goofs, family stories, and our experiences as children of immigrants. So, Shout out to the champion that is our warrior parents, who has championed a better life for us, and to the self-reliant champions that we have become. Listen on, and I am sure this conversation will touch you as it had deeply for me. So today, we have Kimberly Hahn with us on the show. So Kimberly, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, what career you're in, and what you're up to now. Hi, um, thank you so much for having me. Um, I am a filmmaker, um, and I actually am currently still in my day job, which is uh, being a TV development executive at NBC Universal um, in the international TV division. And so um, I have been here for about uh, three and a half years, and I have been overseeing television shows from uh, Australia, the UK, Canada, as well as co-productions with the US, and also helping um, create more shows in terms of expanding into Asia. And so we started to do some more Korean shows, as well as Japanese shows, as well as a Nigerian show. And it's been a really, really exciting time uh, in terms of TV and where we're going. But at the same time, um, I actually want to become a director. And so I am at this point where I really want to take that leap. And I am directing my first short film called Champion. And um, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Thanks for the clarification. I got like ahead of myself and <laughs> forgot that you're still in like uh, the same career. <laughs> um, yeah. Why don't you um, tell us a little bit more about the film Champion, since I know it's like very dear to you your heart and like what inspired you to create the film? So Champion is a film that I've been wanting to tell for a very, very long time. Uh, it's actually based on a short story that I wrote in high school. Mm -hmm. And that was the first A plus that I ever got in an English essay. And that was because I actually wasn't fluent in English until junior year of high school. And I think the reason that I finally got to that point of Asian excellence, finally, <laughs> was um, it was such a personal story. And, um, and so, you know, it's over a decade, actually, probably much more than over a decade since then. Um, that I've been wanting to tell this into a film. And um, it's about a little girl, a nine-year-old Korean girl who immigrates to the US, to California without her father. 
Um, ultimately, it's about this common, uh, I suppose, theme, common uh, occurrence that happens with the Korean community um, called the Goose Father. And um, the Goose Father is basically, um, refer the Goose Father refers to fathers who stay in Korea to make money while the rest of the family moves to an English speaking country to uh, get better education and to better their social standing um, with that in mind. And the father flies back and forth between Korea and the US every time he can, um, usually once or twice a year. Mm -hmm. And they live this life until sometimes the mom goes back to Korea, sometimes they don't, sometimes the father comes back or is able to join them in the US. But it's, um, it's this thing where uh, you have to, I think, as part of immigration, these families have to live apart from one another. And it's a really fascinating phenomenon that I've now realized exists across so many different immigrant communities, I think, especially in the Asian communities and not just the Korean community. Mm -hmm. And so um, the film is about my goose father, my goose family, and my experience having lived um, without my goose family. And um, this little girl is able to overcome that heartbreak from the separation and is also able to understand that there is love uh, despite the separation. Mm. I know when we first met to talk yeah. about this film, <laughs> I like, started crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, even though I had just met you. So it's, yeah, Aww. it's definitely like a moving, very moving story. Thank you. And like something that I think a lot of um, children of immigrant, immigrant families can relate to. Yeah, I hope so. And it's really interesting because, and, and this is a Kickstarter funded film. Mm -hmm. So it became, the story became, you know, I, I tried to make it as public as possible, of course, because I wanted to get more eyes on it. Um, but in doing that, I have learned from a lot of my friends and acquaintances and even strangers across the world, really, that have experienced the same thing. And that was from, you know, anywhere from the Korean communities or Asian and any kind of immigrant families. And so it was really, really interesting to hear all of these different stories and know that so many people across the different cultures can relate to it and it made me feel very wow like I'm not I wasn't alone in this mm. and um and hopefully with this film out in the world people don't have to be alone in it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I think there's something very powerful in like seeing yourself in someone else's story and even if it's been like decades um since you first experienced it, um, like retroactively, it, it feels still feels very healing. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Um, and I mean, even just 
I don't know, I was location scouting the other day, for example, and um, I met this lovely Sri Lankan lady, and um, she's the owner of, of a um, small private school, and she was talking about her story being exactly like this, actually. She was the mom that brought her children over to the U.S., and they actually eventually um, all ended up in the U.S., which is great. And she was also talking about how she currently has um, a niece that is experiencing exactly this right now, where her father is back home in Sri Lanka, and she's struggling a little bit with that experience. And she asked me to please send me the film mm-hmm. once it's done so that she can show it to her niece. And I was just like, oh, my God, I will love, I will love that so much. And I, I would love to be able to make an impact like that even even if it's small yeah I got goosebumps hearing that (laughs) thank you and I love that your film like brings out the significance of this because it is very common right like um when we immigrated to the U.S. from Shanghai like my dad also went first for about Mm. half a year to a year like getting re-getting his master's and so it feels like it's something very common, but right now as I'm talking to you, I feel like I am recognizing like, yes, it's common, but it's also so significant. Mm. And and there's so, yeah, there's so many like emotions and memories um, that are intertwined with it. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I think the core of the film too is really inspired by the actual experience of me not being able to speak with my father on the phone. And so um, I actually based the film really out of that experience. When I was seven, we moved to the U.S. We moved back to the U.S. for the first time. Um, I moved back and forth quite a bit. And so this was the first time we tried to make it back here. And I refused to hop on the phone with my dad for a very long time. And it wasn't out of anger. It wasn't out of rebellion necessarily. I'm sure there was a little bit of that as a child, but it was really the hurt. Um, Mm. And every time I heard his voice, I just couldn't pull it in and I would literally run away. And so it took me a few months to actually finally hop on the phone with him. And that's really the emotional journey for this character in the film. And yeah, you're right. I think it's really so much of that emotion is is tied into this experience. And for me, I was only seven years old and I remember this so clearly. And I hope that I will be able to capture that emotion and what I actually felt during that time. And I do hope that that's what makes it more of a special film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I'm curious, you know, out of all the stories you mm-hmm. could have like de- depicted, like why, why this one? I do think in terms of my very first project I did want it to be as personal as possible I think partly because it is something that I've wanted to tell for so long that I've just been itching to tell it I've just been 
I've had just this urge to have to spit it all out. And part of me thinks I can't really move on before I actually do it. And you're right. I, I, there are a lot of other stories that I've been writing that I have written that I do want to uh, direct in the future, in the near future. But this one was just something that I couldn't get out of my head. And there were actually versions of this script that I've been trying to write over the last several years. And mm. for whatever reason, I think a lot of the timing lined up. I was really just able to pour it all out onto page this last year and really making that decision to become a filmmaker opened me up to that possibility and actually finishing the film and going out to make it. Mm. Yeah, this is really the perfect transition. Um, This podcast is being recorded at end of June and According to the timeline on your Kickstarter, you're about to start shooting Sue in July. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like how, how, how does, how does it feel? Ah, uh, terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. I'm so anxious about everything. But <laughs> mm, mm. also in the best way possible, I think it really just shows for me just in terms of even if I feel this way even if I've never felt so terrified in my entire life I'm loving life more than ever Mm. and I think that's when I really know that this is my path this is going to be my thing and this is my calling um because I think you know as much as I do love um, having been a development executive and it's such a competitive field and I think partially just being the competitive Asian I will say I am a typical competitive Asian (laughs) coming to Hollywood and climbing the ladder in this way and in terms of this creative development has been something I think I just really uh, honed in on without thinking too much in terms of what it was that I actually wanted. And I think I just got so caught up in this world of the entertainment industry in Hollywood that I just kept going and going and going. And I felt like I lost a little bit of that passion and that really very innate um, desire to create content. Um, I, I think I had slowly been losing it throughout the years and so Mm. to be able to reclaim that and to be able to really understand that this is my calling has been such a beautiful experience and I have not not had a stable job (laughs) ever Mm. Um, I've always had a corporate uh, nine to, well, I don't know, in the industry, it's not really nine to six. It's usually (laughs) longer hours, but I've never not had a stable job like that. And so I think that's something that I'm really terrified about just in terms of like, how do I actually make money? I don't know. Can I make money being an artist? And at this point, I'm just believing in myself that I can do this. And I've 
lost myself for long enough that I don't want to ever lose it again. And now that I found it, I'm just going to do my very best to keep going and just make it happen in any way I can. Mm. Oh my gosh, that was so powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah, I I know you like moved to LA to pursue directing seven years ago. Mm. So it sounds like in many ways, this is like a dream come true. And this is like huge as terrified as you are. Um, I'm curious for you, like, yeah, like what catalyzed the move? Like, can we hear more about your just pursuing your like, you know, um, filmmaking journey? And personally, I also don't know a lot of like Asian Americans in the TV space. So that Mm. in itself is already kind of um, unconventional. Um, mm-hmm. So we'd we'll love to hear more about that. Yeah, I think for me, a lot of these, a, a lot of different um, things just lined up. And so I think there were some just personal life things that happened that allowed me to rethink um, where I'm at in my career and in my personal journey. And I think a lot of that was over the last few years in this pandemic time where there's a lot happening in the world. There is so much happening in this world. There is um, a lot of really disappointing things just in terms of, you know, um, where we're at in terms of protecting a lot of people's rights. And so, you know, I think for me, there is, you know, a lot that I can do um, being a gatekeeper in, in TV and really being able to support projects and champion projects, being on the studio side and um, in the position of power. But at the same time, I just felt like there were certain things where you just have to kind of abide by a lot of the corporate rules and a lot of um, the bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't enough for me. I think, you know, it's, I think it's still such a phenomenal thing that people do to be a TV executive and to be really able to push projects that they believe in. And I really do hope that a lot of my other fellow Asian Americans would continue to become those gatekeepers um, and from other underrepresented communities as well um, to be able to continue to push that. We really, we really need that. Um, but at the same time for me, just me being me, wanting to always have been a director, I just needed that full autonomy to tell exactly the stories that I want to tell. And I just no longer wanted that limitation in a way. And so I think I've been grappling with that for for a while, for probably many years. And I think it really was over the last couple of years when I was like, you know what, life is too short. There's too many crappy things going on in this world and I want to make a difference in any way possible and I want to be in complete freedom to make whatever difference I want. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
how how is the process like um like so so you moved to you moved to LA and how mm-hmm. how did you start um how did you start like making films I mean I'm not too familiar with yeah. that space yeah. or industry <laughs> so uh, I'm just kind of um <laughs> a little bit grappling outwards here but um I'm, I'm just thinking about it from the perspective of um like a fellow Asian who wants to um who wants to do something similar or take a similar path that you mm-hmm. did um right. but it's probably like very scary for them right now say if right. they're considering moving to like LA or if they're considering like spending a significant of their time to start creating films so I'm curious like how was how was that like for you yeah that's a really great question I came to LA without having had any experience in the entertainment industry um I actually did start doing a little bit of filmmaking in the last year and a half of college and I actually so I majored in international studies and cinema media studies I talked on cinema um in the last two years of school and so it was pretty belated and it worked out naturally because I have been taking film classes just because I love them so much. And so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know what? I only need to take five more classes to get this major. And so that's how it ended up happening. And um, I started as like a sound boom person um, mm. at like a teeny tiny student film in my junior year of college and loved it so much. The next year I was directing short films. Mm. Um, I'm too embarrassed to share them now, <laughs> too, <laughs> too amateur. But, you know, I think that's when I really, really fell in love. I didn't realize that that was a possibility. And even when I was making short films that were that tiny, we were, um, the first short film that I directed was $200 budget and mm-hmm. we shot it in two days with, you know, without paying anyone at all. And so, mm-hmm. um, it was such a, a, a small experience compared to some of the things that I've been doing now, but I really felt so much freedom while I was doing it. And so even though I initially was just an international studies major and I was probably gonna go to law school Mm. I decided much to my you know family's detriment that I was going to move to LA after graduation and so I landed in LA the day after graduation and Mm. I because I didn't have really any connections I didn't really have friends out here I didn't know anyone in the industry I started reaching out to as many alums as I could I went to as many mixers and networking drinks as possible, just kept creating more and more contacts. Um, so I moved here. I did an unpaid internship. I did a couple unpaid internships during one month, and then I ended up getting a job at an agency. And I didn't stay for long. I It wasn't creative enough for me. Um, And then I hopped on over to a management company, which is still in the talent representation business. But as a manager, you have fewer clients and you um, are more 
you develop more of an intimate relationship with your clients. And so I was in talent representation as a junior manager mm. uh, with a few of my own young and hungry clients. And then I decided it still wasn't creative enough for me. So I went to a production company and worked for a producer, uh, worked on shows called 13 Reasons Why. Uh, I worked mm. on season three um, as an assistant and also a show on Apple called Home Before Dark. And then after that, I was like, still not creative enough. I need mm-hmm. to work with just stories. And so I ended up going to the studio and um, as a development executive, uh, overseeing stories from beginning to the end of, um, from the conception of, of these stories to release. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and so, you know, it's been a process. I think I've had my share of jobs in the industry and um I think the process was really just try and learn. Mm-hmm. And I it took me this long mm-hmm. to even get to the point that it's been seven years and I'm like, oh, okay, now mm-hmm. it's finally time to actually do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to make films. And so I'm only just getting to the point where I'm doing what I really, really want to do. And so I think, yeah, if I'm thinking about the perspective of someone who wants to jump into this thing it's I think first it's never too late um Mm. you can go for what you want whenever you want um just make sure that uh you're prepared to make that leap and um are willing to do what it takes to to get to that point and just to have the awareness that you're not gonna get to where you want to be immediately and to have the open mind of um, doing, accepting the accepting jobs that are not going to purely align with your interests and knowing that you're still going to learn and take away a lot of things from it. Yeah, it was so cool hearing like what happened behind the scenes because it really seemed like it was like a experimental process for you like Mm -hmm. getting closer and closer to um, the creativity that you were Mm -hmm. craving that maybe you didn't or you couldn't identify or um, in the first at first right yeah I think you know I I think I definitely went through a lot of confused (laughs) emotions just figuring out what exactly it was that I wanted and I think part of that really was I I got to LA and it really opened my eyes to a lot of the different aspects of filmmaking I before I came to LA when I was just doing those little student films I didn't really know anything about the industry other than that okay like there are these directors there are people who write there are people who shoot it um producers I guess try to make it happen and then it just kind of happens (laughs) And that was the vague idea I had about how it all works. And once I got to the entertainment industry in in LA, it just really opened my eyes to so many different um, people and different jobs that all collaborate to make a film made, uh, to to get a film made. And, And so I think... I was 
really craving to learn all of that. And I think Mm -hmm. once my eyes were opened up to all of these different possibilities, I just wanted to learn and take them in as much as I could. And I think that's why it took me such a roundabout route to get to where I am, but I don't regret it at all. I learned so much from it and I picked up so many good friends and people who I consider my found family now through this process and over these years. And guess what? During this process of making this film, all of these people that I'm working with right now are from all of those different walks of life and different experiences that I had um, to get to this point. And all of that really, all of those experiences led to this moment in such a, um, I don't know, I think like synergetic way. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I I think it it was definitely an experiment. It was a process of elimination. And I Mm -hmm. think it was a lot of hunger to learn. And I feel like at this point, I feel comfortable and confident with where I am and confident with my choice to become a director finally that I've tried everything I wanted to Mm -hmm. and now this is where I land Mm -hmm. and that I think also is something that gives me a lot more comfort as I'm going into this transition in my career as I feel terrified and anxious and about all of these but it's I I also just know that this is the right path I'm so certain of that and that's what gives me a lot of the comfort I think (laughs) yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense um and side tangent um, out of curiosity um is there anything or is there any new skills that you had to learn while like um creating this film or is it more of um, like accumulation of all those skills you learned um, in those experiences, Mm. but kind of doing it on your own now? Yeah, I think it really is a culmination of a lot of the skills that I picked up over the years, but it is a learning curve in terms of, I'm really on the other side of Mm. filmmaking now. Um, I mean, I'm going back to this side of filmmaking, but having been a part of agency management company, production company studio, those are all people that help make a filmmaker's vision come true. And now being a filmmaker, I'm on the other side of that where there are people helping my vision come true. Mm. (laughs) And I think I'm really so used to making things happen for other people that I don't know I, I'm, I'm not sure this this is not necessarily a skill but you know I, I'm I'm learning to take that help mm. I'm learning to give that trust and delegate and um yeah I, I think it's really about learning to accept that there are people there to help make my vision come true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I will say it is, it has 
been a learning curve, I think, just because I am so protosorial as a person, I do want to be across every aspect of this filmmaking process. And I shouldn't. I should be focusing on really the creative vision and that only and everyone else should be um, helping support it. And I think just in my nature, I'm so like, I just need to know. (laughs) I think that's been something I've been learning um, just to really focus on that artistic part and that part only. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes total (laughs) sense. It really reminds me of, um, because I coach entrepreneurs, right? It really reminds Mm. me of when people like start um, their own businesses for the first time. um, And and, um, when people are trying to make money, um, I think most people have, think that it's just like, creating money but there's another huge part of it which is like Mm. being able to receive money (laughs) yeah (laughs) so much you it's kind of like receiving help right it's like opening our capacity to receive and to um whether it's like receiving compliments and like Mm. saying thank you instead of like um like sweeping it under the rug or like um yeah or like receiving money and feeling that like you deserve it and you know like oh it's not that I have to bend back over backwards or receiving just like gifts in general and seeing it as like this like unconditional love yeah (laughs) yeah I will say that was and I think you're you're talking about money which is so relatable too because it was a kickstarter and so Mm -hmm. I was quite literally receiving money (laughs) in order to make this come true and that was hard to accept it really was and throughout the kickstarter process there were many moments where I was just so overwhelmed with gratitude like insanely overwhelmed with gratitude in a way I couldn't even put into words Mm -hmm. and it felt I, I will say before I launched the Kickstarter, I had so many conflicting feelings because again, like I'm talking about, you know, this is a pandemic time. There's a lot of really crazy things happening in the world, so much violence and injustice. And I it was hard to accept that I was doing this thing because, you know, it's a film. At the end of the day, it's just a film. And so it felt very conflicting. I was just like, oh my God, like if I could do this in, in another time, then, you know, I sh- should I be doing something like this to mm-hmm. donate to different organizations to actually like help save lives and things. And it was just very hard to be like, why do I deserve it? Why does my film deserve it? And it was really hard to come to terms with that. And it still is. I still think about it every day. I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) And I do hope that I can make a difference and make positive changes. But, you know, it is something that I continue to think about. And so, yeah, it took me some time to come to terms with the fact that I was quite literally asking for money from people. And I generally don't ask for help mm-hmm. in a lot of different parts of my life I, I just don't ask for help it, it's just who I am and so there were many different ways that I was really going against my 
uh, I don't know, my, my nature mm. um, doing this. And the result of it was that it was just so, there was so much love. And I think even though I still think about it every day in terms of like, my com- like my inner conflict of like <laughs> where can this money go instead but um people wanted me to make this film and that was really touching it I kept seeing it every day and what was really crazy is that we we launched our kickstarter in May and mm-hmm. we met our goal in two days which yeah. was wild <laughs> I was so blown away by that I I just couldn't even believe it and the day before we launched it I was just like oh my god I'm not gonna make it I'm gonna have to put up my savings to Mm -hmm. (laughs) make this happen Mm -hmm. and then that happened in two days and we almost um not quite doubled but almost doubled our initial goal and I am still in disbelief that it happened but I think that also shows that people want the story to be made and I think that also gave me a lot of assurance in terms of oh okay I am doing something good hopefully for many different communities I really do hope that I am doing something good and that it'll all be worth it mm-hmm. and yeah I'm sorry I don't even know what your question was now at this point <laughs> All good. And I'm so glad we came here because yeah. I actually have written this question down about asking you uh, about raising money for the fundraiser um, or mm-hmm. for your for the for your film. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's like a couple of things here. One is like I'm hearing there's a part of you that's like, who am I to mm-hmm. like, you know, raise money for this film, for this desire that I have like how dare I like pursue this desire when there are so many like other when there's so much suffering in the world and like Mm -hmm. so many places that like um these you know this money can go to and I'm so glad that even though you had these feelings and you were questioning Mm -hmm. yourself that you decided to launch it anyways because you know when you fulfill your desires it's like it's an inspiration for others too to pursue their own desires. Yeah, I really hope so. And I think because this is something that I've wanted for pretty much my entire life, I really have Mm -hmm. wanted to make movies for so long and to deny myself for a really long time and finally get to that point, it was definitely a do or die situation. (laughs) I was like, you know what, if I don't make this happen, then I'm, I don't know what else I could possibly do. Like, this is just, this is it for me. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think that drive, that desire was, um, I guess, uh, triumphing over everything else. And so I think that's why I did end up launching it and did my best to raise as much as possible. And then going through this whole process and yeah, I really do hope that in the long run, I think, you know, filmmaking, I I do still believe is such a powerful tool to create empathy and to make changes Mm -hmm. from the very basic level and so I just want to 
get to a point where, and I'm still so, so early in my career, I'm really just directing my first real short film. And so I'm really early, but I really want to become as influential as possible, really, with um, my films so that I can make bigger difference down the line. And hopefully with that also comes the possibility of helping different communities, not just in in terms of filmmaking, but in other ways. And so I think, you know, you never know what happens with people in terms of fame and whatnot. And I think the good thing is like directing, you're not usually in the spotlight. So (laughs) that's good. But um, I do want to never really forget that and just make sure that I'm always thinking about that in the back of my mind of how else to help Mm -hmm. and in ways that are not just filmmaking. And so Mm. I do hope to down the line, really be able to um, help out in, in various ways. And so, you know, I think having all of this in mind, I was like, you know what, like, I do want this so badly and I want to get to the point where I do have the influence to be able to make these changes and I may not be able to do all of it right now but I do hope little by little I can make small differences here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah um, a quote that I love about money is that like it amplifies so mm-hmm. if you have this desire to help money helps amplify that versus like steer you in the opposite direction Mm. and I have a good feeling that you're going to continue amplifying the goodness (laughs) thank you (laughs) I plan to (laughs) the other part about um this money part is that I found it so interesting earlier when you were saying how um you know as an artist I'm not sure if um I can make money and mm-hmm. I know, I know this fundraisers is a little bit different from like um, making money, but I just thought it was so amazing that when I first um, talked to you, you were at, yeah, you like met the goal. You're at like more than 25K, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I went on my beach trip. I came back. <laughs> <laughs> we're chatting again and you're almost at 45K, which is just like so mind blowing to me. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And um, to give me context, like, again, um, creating money, it it might kind of be different than raising money, but it is still like influencing people, inspiring people to um, like put money in. And I just remember when I first started my business, it took me a whole year to like make 900 something dollars. So this is a very significant... um, amount of money and Mm -hmm. I'm curious you know for other like aspiring filmmakers or you know current filmmakers who want to raise um money so that you know their their voice and their ideas and their vision can be shown out into the world like um what advice might you have for them in terms of like raising money and um in terms of like fundraising because I personally like I'm just so amazed at this result and I have no idea. Um, and I know you were also able to um, have a angel investor invest like 10K. Mm-hmm. So 
kind of if you're open or can share like some um, details or just um, how how you think you were able to create this amount. I will say, I think for me, I think there are different Kickstarter campaigns that have been really successful that have maybe taken a different approach. I've modeled after those a lot. And I think I ended up not quite, you know, following the same exact footstep because I feel like I'm just so bad at social media. <laughs> I just like, I can't, I don't know. I'm just, I've always been very private. And so it's just so hard for me to be so visible like that. And I, I definitely had to um, come out of my shell a little bit in that way. Mm. Um, and so I think there are other campaigns that have done more of that really grassroots um, outreach type uh, path. And sure. I did try that a little bit, but I don't think I necessarily <laughs> did that great of a job. I think for me, um, I think it was really, really relationship based. Um, I love that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm lucky too, that I had so many people that were willing to help that were in my community. Um, but I think what was also really heartwarming for me during this process was that a lot of people remembered um, what I had done, I think, just throughout the years and and not necessarily like me being, you know, giving to the community and whatnot, but just in terms of just genuine I don't know, niceness or kindness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Be a good human being. Yes. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this is so awkward now that I'm talking about myself in this way. I'm like, that's so weird. But I, I don't know. I think like a lot of people had mentioned, like, I mean, you, I don't know. Like, I think they've mentioned, like, you've done so much for our community. Like, of course you deserve this. And so I, I heard a lot of that and I was like, oh my God, do I? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Did I? I don't know. And so again, like there was a little bit of that self-doubt, but I think just so many people showed up that I didn't necessarily expect to show up um, mm -hmm. and uh, helped me out. And most of the people that donated really were from my community from my network mm -hmm. and and by the way like people aren't don't just donate like that like you do have to ask <laughs> I, I, mm -hmm. I was very shameless and I was very proactive and aggressive in terms of how I was um, doing some of the outreach and you know I think that's necessary when you're doing something like this you can't even though I, I have my own doubts, like you can't doubt yourself or you can't let that doubt over, um, overtake anything else mm -hmm. and really be shameless with that outreach. And I definitely did that. But, you know, despite even that in mind, I was just so shocked that people actually came through. Mm -hmm. And I think it was because of the relationships that I have built over the years. And, um, I, it made me also feel comforted that it actually works out to be a, a good human being. Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, it is something that I struggled with. I think, especially in Hollywood, I think 
and I, I don't think it's just Hollywood. I think it is really everywhere that you see people who are really cutthroat and really, really ambitious. And you're like, wow, sometimes they let that, um, they choose that over anything else. And mm. I think having been in Hollywood, I have seen a lot of people who don't have as much of that kindness really rising up to the top mm. and we do work in an industry of storytelling and that the core of storytelling is empathy mm. and so I think a lot of the times I felt like oh my gosh <laughs> people who don't really have as much empathy can be the people that are choosing which stories are being told and I saw that again and again and so that was a you know a lot of those times were discouraging um, because as much as I wanted to be that type of person of just being really cutthroat and being cold and being able to be cold, I just couldn't. Mm. And I think that made me feel a little bit jaded and like, wow, like maybe I'm not cut out for this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think this experience made me feel like okay it pays to be nice sometimes (laughs) so that was kind of like my takeaway from it and so yeah I mean I I thought for a lot of the years I thought being empathetic and being nice was a weakness Mm -hmm. and oftentimes it is a weakness and you have to really learn to not be taken advantage of and and so yeah you have to become thick-skinned in that way but at the same time, it was just like, okay, yeah, it's all right. I can be myself. I don't have to try to be someone else to try to succeed. There are all sorts of people that will succeed in different ways. And as long as, you know, I'm happy with who I am, I think hopefully that's all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm really hearing is that like, even if an industry is known for being like really competitive and cutthroat, um, that you you can still like hold on to your values and like express that kindness and that empathy and you don't have to like change for other people. And it sounds like it was hard for you to change into, um, you know, the type that was like so um, opposite of your like mm-hmm. natural self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure that's partly why I'm a filmmaker and not someone who's on the other side of it. Not to, you know, it's not a bad thing. And there are people of all sorts of backgrounds and personalities that make it to that end. But um, I'm not, I'm definitely not the personality that can just give up on something that I care about I I'm just so passionate and I really go all the way if I'm passionate about something and so for me it was I mean I'm talking about even just some of my projects that like didn't go through or something like we were we put a lot of work into development and it didn't get picked up and like I would be heartbroken by that and some people are actually okay with it some people are really strong in that sense and they're able to really dissociate and be like okay moving on next project and I'm just not that person (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm I want to push with 
a story or a concept or something that I care about to the end. And that's just who I am. And I think that's why I have to be a filmmaker. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I do think that if you're in a corporate world to a certain extent, you do have to be, um, you do have to know how to not be emotional. And I think that's where I drew the line. I was like, I don't not want to be emotional. I'm so emotional. I have to just be emotional. This is just who I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that really reminds me of myself too. Like I was in the advertising world for a bit working at an agency and mm. I just always really cared about social impact and it just hurt me every time we were like drawing up campaigns for um, brands that like I didn't believe in and um that was also kind of what one of the reasons and I actually um talked with like I think he was like VP at the time um of the agency and like chatted with him and um and I you know I had to learn about like well you know we have to like make money this is a business and so it really actually lit my heart up when I discovered this term called social entrepreneurship which is like Mm. um you know creating businesses that also um really care about social impact and is for social impact um and so yeah I just I just love that you like continue to like follow your values and found something that that worked for you um, Mm -hmm. instead of fitting into like um like a a box that um didn't resonate with you yeah yeah and yeah I mean it really isn't that like there's no black and white and there are so many people who are doing amazing things in different corners of the world. And even with advertising, Mm -hmm. yes, you have to make money, but at the same time, you can make such a big influence. And so I think I definitely see so much value in that. And there's sending so much props to people who are doing that. And even to um, people over at studios and making difference in in this kind of way. Um, It's just, you know, for me, (laughs) this is where I have to be. And I feel like you're, in a more advanced stage than than I am in terms of having found that place for yourself and really thriving in it so yeah it's awesome to be able to speak with you about all of this Mm, thank you um there is there's a couple things um that I would love for us to touch on before we wrap up the interview Mm -hmm. um so something that really going back to your film um something that really spoke to me was like the resiliency Mm. um I'm wondering if you have if there's any like anything you want to share about that topic just um in terms of like how maybe like how it has affected you or you know carried over to adulthood um something else I'm curious just about too is like um the name of the film champion and Mm. like what that means for you so you feel free to answer both or whichever one that, you know, feels alive for you right now. Yeah, I think I definitely learned a lot about resilience through my family and seeing how persistent they were in terms of sacrificing pretty much everything to make me and my brother have the best life as possible Mm -hmm. and 
you know, I think in terms of my film, I simplified quite a bit. It takes place in, in one place in Southern California. And the concept is that this Korean family has just landed in, in the U.S. for the first time without their father. But in terms of my actual experience, I went back and forth so much. I lived in so many different cities <laughs> and um the short film itself is based on the time when I was actually seven years old. And um, we were, we came to the US for, I actually have to fact check this. I think it, I, I thought it was like three months, but my dad actually recently told me we were in LA for, for a year and I was a little oh, wow. confused. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but, there there it was a real thing when we lived out of hotels I mean first we came to a homestay we were living in a one bedroom out of a Korean family's apartment um that was a two-bedroom place and um it wasn't unfortunately a good situation and so we actually packed up in the middle of the night and left to a motel and that's where we stayed for a little bit until we found an actual apartment to go into and um, in the script, it starts out with the family waking up to an ant infestation in the motel. And that was actually also real. I actually had um, like an anophobia for a really long time growing up. And I actually finally got over it. But I really had this phobia for so long because of the situation. And mm-hmm. um, it was a really difficult time. And even from my seven-year-old perspective, I just took in everything and remembered everything like that part of my life I'm it's so crystal clear in my brain still which is why I also just wanted to tell it so badly um but with that with all that said it ultimately was an experience about resilience and for us having gone through all of that and of course this is something that I've only really recognized as as an adult. Um, but in terms of what my mom went through also, it's like, wow, like she was a young mother at the time. She was only 34. Um, I was seven, my brother was eight or nine and she, she was only in her early thirties taking care of two children. And, um, our dad was also alone in Korea grappling with the loneliness and just losing his family to another country and just not being able to see his family for so yeah. long like they were both individually going through really really difficult things that I couldn't really process or even realize or recognize at that point when I was young and it's only something that I've started to really uh, register and um really think about in my, in my adulthood. And that's something that I really wanted to imbue in my film, just that human aspect of our parents. And the fact that sometimes growing up, we're not able to see that, but from more of an objective point of view, they really are human at the end of the day. And they're also going through things and struggling with things just as we all are. And everyone is learning. You don't all of a sudden get to, a certain age um, when you become a parent and all of a sudden you're this mature perfect human being it's just not the case and everyone goes through different struggles and so I I feel like I only really recognized that in my in my later years and I started to 
reflect on their resilience and how much sacrifice that they um, that they made for for us to have better lives and. I think at the end of the day, it's a really hopeful film because I think I I see a lot of hope in that and I get a lot of hope from how much my parents sacrificed and I have so much gratitude and um, I think it made me uh, into a human being that recognizes that kind of resilience that um, understands that sacrifice and just doing the best I can to make all of that worth it. And I think that's also why it's called Champion, because um, even though the short film, it's only a 10 minute short film. And my, my dream is to make this into a feature film as soon as possible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and really expand on each of my family members' uh, stories. But, you know, in terms of the film itself, it's a 10 minute short film. And so the, the main character is the nine year old girl. And um, the emotional journey is really her journey. But at the same time, it's all of their experiences of resilience. Um, the girl, the brother, the mom, the father. And it's about all of them being champions. And I could have made it plural, but, you know, I want it to be um, vague in terms of like this family in itself. They're all champions. And this is a story about champions who continue to persist and continue to overcome hardships and ultimately um, still find love. and. Uh, really embrace um that familial love and yeah so that's why I titled it champion I I didn't necessarily mean that it's only the girl I I really think in my mind it's all of the family and I think um I really wanted to make the point that uh you know immigrating is difficult <laughs> being separated is really difficult um but people do it and overcome it and triumph through it. And they're all champions in their own right. And I just wanted to show a story that is much more hopeful in that sense. Um, and it's a story about people who have overcome it and who have become champions. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I want it to be more of an optimistic film that, that, can, that can reach different people mm. wow that's so beautiful <laughs> <laughs> thank you and yeah I, I just really love like the optimism and the hopefulness um, that this film represents I also work with a lot of um, Asian Americans and they're it's like childhood trauma is also very real and it's like parental love and sacrifice for you is also very real. So I love that mm. like this gets to showcase um, another side of the same coin. Right. Yeah. It's all, at the end of the day, it's really about family and it's about love and it's about resilience. And it is a different side of the coin. I think it is very specific to this experience of the Goose family situation. Um, but 
I think as I've come to learn and realize there's so many different communities that can relate to this. And so mm-hmm. um, I do hope that the specificity is something that makes it more, makes the story more universal. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so two, two questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we can, you can, you can also skip one if you want. Um, okay. But sure. the, since this podcast is about um, like Asians redefining their success, I know we haven't mm-hmm. really talked about like success. Um, so I'm curious for you, like, um, has there been a change um, from when you define success before versus, you know, now, whether it's with your life or maybe in the lens of filmmaking? Absolutely. I, as I mentioned before, I went through so many different um, paths, even just within the entertainment industry. And there were a few points or there were a couple of years in the last seven that I thought I wanted to be a studio president, mm-hmm. um, which is why I went to the studio. I was like, I just want to become this person that makes all the decisions and has everyone underneath me to to choose exactly the stories I want to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I think just naturally being an ambitious person, I saw something that was of the highest level and I wanted to go for it. And once I got to the studio, I think that's when I had my biggest crisis (laughs) like internal crisis Uh I'm just like oh my gosh is that really what I want and by the way I have amazing mentors at my company the people who are in the position of power at this company are really really incredible women Mm. and so that's been like incredibly exciting to see and um yeah and so you know I think I've been thankfully, like really luckily learning from, from the best in that way. Uh, but even so I started to think about, do I really want to live that life? And mm-hmm. I really had to struggle with that. I, and I, at the end of the day, the answer was no. Um, and it wasn't because, you know, I, I still think it's an amazing job and of course to lead an entire gigantic studio that makes decisions and all these things it's a huge huge ordeal but a lot of the the job is about business um oftentimes you lose grasp on the creative Mm -hmm. and that's just something that I couldn't lose I I just simply couldn't fathom losing that every step of the way that I climb up the ladder every step I I move higher, I would lose bits of that. And that's what I started to see. And I mean, it's, it's a give and take, really. You gain more power to have more freedom to choose the projects you want to push forward. Um, but at the same time, you're dealing with less and less creative things. And um, it really just was about what I wanted. And I couldn't give that up. I couldn't give the creative part up. Um, and so... Yeah, I did have that shift um, in terms of even just within the entertainment career that I had. I at one point wanted to be a studio president and then I decided, never mind, (laughs) this isn't actually what I want. So, um, yeah, that's where I am 
Mm, yeah. Yeah. We keep on going back to creativity and that mm-hmm. really feels like success for you is like being involved right. in the creative parts. Right. Yeah. Because I think, you know, being a studio president on paper is probably the definition of success. Mm-hmm. Becoming an executive and overseeing and having the decision making power, it's really the definition of wow, you've become successful mm-hmm. and you are in this corporate world. And so there are all these like titles that you climb up to get, like it's manager, director, VP, SVP, EVP, and then president and the chairman. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like a very concrete thing you achieve. And um, yeah, I guess I realized that that wasn't my definition of success And my definition of success is really being true to who I am and um, pursuing my own passions and my own stories that I've been wanting to tell forever. And there is a different level of power to that. And it gives, um, yeah, it gives a different level of Uh, I don't know, freedom. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I really resonate with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like, we'll see. I mean, like you can talk to me in like a few years and maybe I'll be like starving and like not having made it. And maybe I won't call myself successful, but you know, I don't know. I've come to terms with it. I'm really happy with this decision. And I think like for me, this is the first step of my, my own definition of success. Mm, And hopefully, (laughs) and hopefully I'll get to the next stages where I am able to also accomplish this definition of success in other ways, like financially, and also just hopefully recognition in other ways too. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I'll continue to work towards that. But at the same time, like I've made my first step into it. So Mm. I'm ready to keep chugging along. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so lastly, like what, what's one thing or like one piece of advice you would have for, um, someone who is like, wanting to be where you're at now like someone who is wanting to like stay true to their um truths and passions and you know be able to like release a film out into the world I would say just keep going for it and keep pursuing it and again I feel like I'm so early in my career too but it's it's such a hard decision to live without a stable paycheck (laughs) and um to really just decide to focus on your stories and so if you have found this passion already I think Mm -hmm. that's really most of the work is already done because a lot of people 
you know, I, I consider myself so lucky that I found this passion. A lot of people haven't found their passion. And I think if you haven't, then it really should be about exploring as many things as possible to get to the point where you have tried various things and now, you know, and you get closer and closer to what you think you want. And you might actually get to that point like I did with going to a studio and realizing, oh, actually, it wasn't what I wanted. Um but at least you'll get closer and closer to that next thing that you probably do actually want. And so I think, you know, exploring as much as you can and really doing justice to yourself to live the best, the most full life as possible to really understand who you are and what you want. And for me, that was the biggest thing. It got me, it took me up until this point to to get to this point even though I moved to LA without anything lined up because I wanted to pursue directing it took seven plus years after that to actually pursue it and so um it's okay if you get sidetracked it's okay if you are learning other things but just continue to hone in on what it is your passion really is and if you're sure of it then go for it and so, yeah, I mean, if if I'm speaking with some people who know exactly what it is they want right now, then, you know, I think practically also, like, be prepared to take that leap. <laughs> you know, I think for me, like, having been at the studio, I was able to make some saving, not too, too much, but some savings to feel uh safe enough to actually make this decision. Um, there are various aspects of my personal life that um, that have allowed me to get to this point where I'm really willing to, to do this and I'm not afraid of my livelihood. And um, I think it's important to, to get to that point too, because you can't just dive into it too. Like I understand that so well, because mm. I needed to try so hard to invest and like do all these things to try to to save enough that I, I felt comfortable enough to make this leap and so um make sure that you're protected also um but if it is if you know what you want then just go for it I think that's really the only answer and that's where I'm at I I went for it I'm going for it now and I don't think I'll regret it in any way even if I am starving in a few months, I don't know. I don't think I will. (laughs) Oh, that is, yeah, that is just incredibly powerful. And I love that people now have, um, have your story as something that, um, they can have as an example of like, what is possible if you like keep on going and, you know, hold tight to that Mm -hmm. passion. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for, for people who are wanting to um, learn more about you or contribute to the Kickstarter, how can we support you? Where can we find you? Um, so the Kickstarter did end, but um, I think in terms of support that I would love to ask for is really the amplification um, because you know by the time the listeners are reading this my film would be done and um, hopefully uh, I'll be submitting to festivals to get 
my film and this story out into the world. And I think that community building is so important and the support from the people who care about the story is so important. And it doesn't just have to do with the financial support. It really is about um, voicing or vocalizing it. And so I think I would really just appreciate um, in terms of following our journey on our social media or uh, showing up at the festivals when we're there. And if we're doing some kind of screenings online, then um, showing up to that and um, showing the support and vocalizing it wherever possible and spreading the word um, about the story would be greatly, greatly uh, appreciated. Okay, cool. I will um, include your Instagram in the show notes and ask you for any links um, that we can visit awesome. in anticipation. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> we'd love to share. <laughs> Amazing. Ah, oh, just, yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story today. I, I just loved how the, the interwoven of um, your inspiration for the film and your journey and something that really stood out to me as you were um, talking today is the part about how you felt like you were losing yourself and then you like found yourself again and you don't want to ever um, lose that and that just feels so inspirational and I'm just so glad that like you're continuing on in that filmmaking journey. Thank you so much. I really, really hope I can do justice to the story and to the people who have supported me on this journey. And um, yeah, I'm going to continue to try to uh, keep <laughs> this this head on my shoulder and um, keep trying to make good things that feel true to myself. <laughs>